1: Peeking with Dylan. <laughs> That's gonna be our first spin-off podcast. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe our so. our visual ASMR Hello, channel.
0: It's me, Hamilton Landings, <laughs> here to talk to you <laughs> about peeking. Hello,
1: everybody, and welcome to Backstage Gaming: A dramatic takes on your favorite games. I'm Chris.
0: This is Dylan,
1: and we're here to talk to you about games and theater and storytelling and art and life. We're your life coaches. Where you your, don't don't listen to any of our advice. Please That's no. lesson number one.
0: I'm a mess.
1: Yeah, we're millennials who don't know what the fuck we're doing. But welcome. That's just the way. Yeah. Oh absolute first thing i want to talk about before we do anything else uh today's episode is going to be about criticism and critique and like what that means to different media and how that is sort of specific to gaming please uh, be but, nice
0: to our podcast
1: yeah but speaking of which uh like like comment and subscribe review us on itunes uh <laughs> but before we get to any of that i'm super excited to share this with you all i've been posting about this on social media uh a few times already but Backstage Gaming is going to be part of our very first live show here in a couple weeks.
0: What the hell are we going to talk about, Chris? That's
1: a really good question. This show is not going to, is not as is suitable <laughs> to a live performance, but we'll figure something out. Uh, yeah, we got selected to be part of a Chicago Podcasters Unite live event the evening of March 16th. So that's the weekend before... C2E2, the Chicago Comics and Entertainment Expo, if you're going to be in town for that. It's going to be really cool. It's like a six-hour event with 10 other podcasts, all local to Chicago, uh, plus live music and interviews with celebrities who are going to be in town for C2E2. So, like, it's a really cool event. Tickets are 10 bucks. You can get them at... I made a Bitly link for this. I, I signed up for Bitly specifically for this event so I could market it. Uh, <laughs> but the tickets can be found at bit.ly slash cpu ticks and in that cpu and t are all capitalized so that's bit.ly slash capital c capital p capital u capital t ticks uh tickets are 10 bucks
0: ck or ticks just c t-i-x okay yes thank you that's important
1: yeah but yeah you should, if you're in the Chicago area already, if you're going to be in Chicago for C2E2 and for some reason are getting here a week early, I guess, uh, you should also come by. We're really excited. It's very cool that this, like, little baby project we've been working on for, wow, it's been four months. That's crazy. Um, yeah. But, like, it's only been four months and we've already got a live performance booked. So, like, we're super excited and we would love to see people there. Um, this Get your really tickets soon. Cool. They're going to sell out. We plugged. We I pulled out the biggest plug I've ever used just then. Uh, so I hope you enjoyed it. And now let's let's dive right into the episode. Now that I've is gone, that the dirty thing that might have been a dirty thing. I didn't intend it to be a dirty thing, but then it came out of my mouth. Um, <laughs> we're here to talk about reviews Continue. and criticism and what that is means for art. So Chris, how did your brain juices set upon this topic? So my brain juices set upon this because I saw a story that is being reported on that is nonsense to me. Uh so come along with me into the nightmare realm. As many people know, Blizzard, the game developer, uh is the creator of a very popular online shooter called Overwatch. It's a big deal in competitive gaming, and if you care about that, cool, and if you don't, now you know what I'm talking about. But Overwatch is currently existing in a state where the metagame, which we've briefly touched on before, but for those of you who don't know, that basically refers to, like, what is good in a competitive game at any given time. For lack of a better term, if rock, paper, scissors, like, if one of them was just good against either of the other options... That would be a case of an unbalanced metagame. And, like, if Rock beat Paper and beat Scissors, you would just always pick Rock, and that would become the new metagame for Rock, Paper, Scissors. Until uh, Rock gets
0: nerfed, of course. Yeah.
1: That's about the clumsiest but also easiest metaphor I can come up with for what the metagame is. Yeah. Um, the current metagame in Overwatch is one that very much favors tanky, hard-to-kill champions. This is because a number of things. This The metagame is this... this sort of amorphous concept in a game as complex as Overwatch where like lots of little inconsequential choices come together to cause large shifts in the way that people play and in the strategies that are good and that are effective Uh, but currently it is existing in a state where characters that can be on the front line absorbing damage not being killed for a long time and setting up plays are very much what the game is revolving around and this Spoiler alert, I don't play enough Overwatch to, like, really be invested in this, but this came across my news feed today. This is apparently something that a number of Overwatch fans have taken issue with and are not particularly enjoying. Hmm. And there is one particular character in Overwatch, uh, a fairly new character named Brigitte. Brigitte? I can't remember how uh, her name is pronounced. Something
0: like Brigitte?
1: Brigitta, thank you. I'm unless dumb.
0: unless the e at the end is no, not I'm, I'm, pronounced that way, but it's uh, either Brigitte or Brigitta.
1: Yeah, she is sort of like one of the exemplar characters of this archetype that this meta game is built around. And I want to put a caveat out here that I am not saying that Overwatch's fan base is bad. I don't believe that any fan base is inherently bad. I think that there are like. Bad Very eggs. vocal. <laughs> yeah, there are there are vocal bad eggs in basically every fandom. And in the Overwatch fandom, a few of these particularly vocal bad eggs who are mad about the state of the metagame and about Brigitte in particular DM'd the voice actress for Brigitte on Twitter to, like, yell at her about the character that she voiced That's in this game. That's not how
0: acting works.
1: Yeah, so, like, item one, as an actor, like... I guarantee you this woman was not cast until, like, development was done or almost done on this character. So it's not like she has anything to do with the character in question. Yeah. Even if she did, that character's existence is not, like, the sole reason that the game is currently in this state that some people don't like. But, like, all else aside, the fact that people were, like, DMing this woman to, like, yell at her about... This game that she is tangentially related to completely blew my mind and got me thinking about the way that perception of and like critique of art is very different in gaming or seems very different in gaming than it does in most other media that I can think of. Mm-hmm. And that felt like a ripe uh, avenue for discussion for us on okay. on this show. So now here we are.
0: I guess like the first question I would have is, how would you say like criticism in games is different from any other medium? because when I think of like volatile things uh, members of a certain fandom have sent to actors of a certain franchise in Hollywood, it's kind of a similar misplaced anger. um I'm talking yeah. around it for uh. Reasons I don't really understand why because we just mentioned Overwatch, but still.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't want to get the Star Wars fans mad at me. Oofs.
1: <laughs> we've already we've already taken lighthearted dumps on the Star Wars fandom before. That's fair. Um, <laughs> I guess there's something and I was I was having a discussion about this because I, I shared this story with my girlfriend when I read it because I was just so baffled. Okay. Uh and she was asking me a similar question, and I just I don't know. What the difference is, because I like, I know that there are similar reactions in particularly vocal film fandoms as well. Mm-hmm. But I, I this cannot more think to do of with,
0: like nerdum as like a subculture. Yeah, I think it's okay. it's
1: more that, but it's also like gaming. One of the things I could think of, come up with at least is that the way that you consume a game, especially a game like Overwatch, which for those of you who are unaware, Overwatch is played as a series of matches, each match lasting like Depending on how much of a stomp it is, anywhere from a minute or two to like seven or eight minutes, prop generally. But you play, like, people who are into Overwatch can have played upwards of like dozens to hundreds of hours of this game. I love a lot of books and a lot of TV shows and a lot of films. I can't name any book or film or TV show that I have dumped potentially a hundred hours of my life into
0: <laughs> mm, um, i'm gonna shut up
1: no <laughs> <laughs> no 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 no. you cannot d- you cannot dangle that juicy well, carrot okay. in front of my nose and then not deliver on the goods mister
0: i'm being i'm being facetious but i think like you know especially when i was a kid and like this was one of five games i owned like po- i played a lot of pokemon gold oh um, no
1: that's what i'm saying like gaming mm-hmm.
0: yes oh you're talking about are, like books and movies yeah yeah there are games yeah. in my okay,
1: steam okay. library that i have played easily over a hundred to several hundred hours of Uh, i'm talking in other like that's the difference for me i think yeah there's the interactivity obviously which leads to a i'm not going to say a greater or a lesser form of engagement but a fundamentally different form of engagement than you get Mm -hmm. in a lot of other media but
0: then there's also the time commitment like there's not um i i think that it's because games are a very I don't want to say freeform because, like, they are, not all of them are, but there's variables. There's your own performance. There is the own player, like, their skill set, how they are feeling that particular session. Yeah. Um, (laughs) There's, you know, if there's RNG in the game's mechanics, that is another factor. You won't have the same experience playing a game any two times. And while that also might be true for... Uh, movies like you might notice some details you hadn't picked up on before as you kind of watch a movie it becomes i feel like there's something more ritualistic about rewatching a film or tv yeah. show yeah uh, like watching rocky horror and being like i know all the calls
1: yep <laughs> or like hell introducing like watching your favorite comedy movie again with a friend who hasn't seen it before because you want to watch it with them and see their reactions yeah this is what got my my thoughts going i don't want to do a whole episode on like why it's bad to harass actors on facebook or on twitter because i well don't do that but (laughs) i hope that that is not a thing that i need to lay out the whys if you're, if you're
0: listening to two actors talk about video games i should hope that you are not you know antagonistic to actors in your personal life
1: Yeah, I think that, and this is a thing that you see a lot in gaming culture but is true of sort of like capital N nerd culture in general, there is a lot of entitlement that comes with that community. And again... We are talking about specific actors within it. I'm not saying that, like, all of nerds are entitled assholes. I know a lot of nerds. I'm a nerd. I like to think I'm not an entitled asshole.
0: Well, I I was just going to say, like, full disclosure, like, as a nerd, I do feel entitled to certain things. But, like, I also have the self-reflection to take a step back and realize, okay, maybe this game in a series I like isn't targeting me as an audience member. And I have to kind of look at that and respect that. Yeah. I I don't think entitlement in and of itself is necessarily a bad thing, but, like, you also need to understand that, like, just because you expect something of a product doesn't mean that that product, you know, is dictated by law to cater to you.
1: Exactly. Like, that sense of entitlement is born out of the time commitment and the love of the thing whatever that thing is for you whether it's a game series or a film series or whatever it becomes a problem when you start to view it as i like this thing and therefore it must fulfill my needs and you see that a lot like that's sort of the issue that's happening in this overwatch clusterfuck with people yelling at this poor voice actress (laughs) but you also see it with like you also saw it recently uh on rotten tomatoes this is not gaming but it's yeah, yeah. film criticism, people were like Uh, review bombing Captain Marvel before it even came out, giving it just like terrible reviews on Rotten Tomatoes to try and drive its audience score down before it came out, because how dare someone make a superhero
0: movie about a woman, I guess? People might deny that, but like, let's be honest. (laughs) Yeah, the movie is not out yet. Movie's not out yet. Why could you possibly be writing a negative review about it?
1: (laughs) I want to flip the topic on its head a little bit. I wish that there was a better term than criticism, I guess, because for me, criticism is something that is meant to be constructive. Criticism is something, as a word, comes with itself the connotations of like feedback meant to construct, inform, and have an impact on the next thing, the next iteration, the next performance, whatever that happens to be. Like, a game critic is writing reviews which are intended as, essentially, like, consumer advice. Mm -hmm. Like, the purpose of a game critique is not to be like, hey, Bungie, great job with Halo 4, but here's the places you fell flat, and I really hope that you address these in Halo 5. That's not what it's (laughs) for. It's for, hey, Jim, consumer, here is what Halo 4 is like. I'm going to lay out what I liked about it and what I did not like about it so that you can decide whether it's worth your 60 US dollars. Yeah. And so I, like, I wish that there was a different term because that is what the purpose of reviews and things like Rotten Tomatoes for Film or, like, Steam reviews for games or, like, articles, like, long-form reviews like you might see on Kotaku or Polygon are. At the end of the day, they are for consumer advice. They're for the consumers, yeah. Yeah. They're there to tell you what you need to know to make an informed decision.
0: If you look at a product review on Amazon, you're not going to... Like, the person writing the review on Amazon is going to be talking about their experience with the product, not, oh, this thing would be really nice, so you should keep that in mind, uh, manufacturer who's for some reason looking at our Amazon page. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like.
1: <laughs> Man, I really like the Shazam. I hope that in Shazam 2 they make it even more absorbent. <laughs> <laughs> You mean ShamWow? Thank you. Yes, I do mean ShamWow, not the upcoming <laughs> superhero film from DC, Shazam. I uh, I really screwed okay. the pooch on that one.
0: <laughs> no, it's you know, all good. It's all Shazam,
1: good. the young boy who says the word Shazam and turns into a towelette, perfect for cleaning up damp messes.
0: <laughs> My cup runneth over.
1: <laughs> Luckily, I have Shazam to clean up the mess.
0: <laughs> We got to get past this bit.
1: (laughs) No, this bit is the podcast now. Welcome to Shazamcast. Oh, boy. Um, No, no,
0: come back, I swear.
1: (laughs) This podcast gets better. Uh, (laughs) I would love there to be game criticism in the vein that I was just laying out the difference. Like, I would love to see... And there are some reviews that come close. Mm -hmm. There are reviews particularly... Again, I just mentioned Kotaku and Polygon because those are the games journalism sites that, like, I personally enjoy. But I have seen them put out some, like, long-form reviews for games that touch on things like the thematics of the game's story and the way that the game presents itself. And, like, again, it's not intended for the creators, but it is touching on, like, here is some of the, like, inside baseball stuff that this game is doing that makes it good or bad. Or here are cool things that they tried and here's why they didn't quite work or things like that. And I would love to see more of that because, like, that's the kind of critique that is helpful. And, like, as an actor, I remember the, the first show I was on here in Chicago got reviewed. We got a review in the Chicago Tribune that was largely, like, I will say indifferent. Uh, it was not okay. negative. It was also not, like, glowing It was like they laid out what they liked and what they didn't like and, you know, gave some shout-outs to particularly good elements of it. There was also a review online that I saw that was much more complimentary. Getting that kind of feedback as an actor from these people that, like, do not know you and do not know, like, there is no personal connection there and so they are being objective is both really cool and also, like, kind of (laughs) scary.
0: Yeah. I I guess I I get where you're coming from when, you know, you're... Significant other, or your friend sees your show and you know they give a, a glowing review. You know, a lot of that is like personal bias. They might be saying that to butter you up, they might not be. They might, like, they might also just not like the show, but that's <laughs> neither here nor there. Um, but like, you know, the fact that they know you does affect that experience because even if they didn't like the show, they still saw. Chris for example like you know doing a performance that was fun to watch Chris do and so that will color their perception of the their experience with the show
1: that's kind of what I was getting at to bring it back to like our sort of jumping off point with games when you get things like the review bombing of Captain Marvel or I've seen similar things with games on Steam where people will just like decide that a recent update has made a game bad and decide that like well time to make this game's review score tank. It's almost like if I was doing a, st- a a show and, like, the person writing the review for the Chicago Tribune was my jilted ex-lover, they're like, aha, the objective quality of this performance and this production does not matter as much as me getting back at Scrub Lord Chris for stunting me. <laughs> like, I wish that there was a balance because on the one hand, customer reviews are a good thing. Getting to, like, see, you know, if you're on the fence about whether or not to buy a game, and you don't know if you want to spend 60 US dollars on this new game, and you're able to, like, log into Steam and click down and, like, see a bunch of different people's reactions to the game and, like, them laying out why they liked or didn't like it, that is a helpful thing. And I think that that is a good thing to exist. At the same time, it's an outlet for people to throw temper tantrums. Yeah. And I don't know if there is an elegant solution, an elegant way to, like, keep the good while not maintaining the bad elements of that system.
0: I, I guess here's the thing. Once, you know, you get the influx of temper tantrum reviews, like uh, going back to Miss Marvel, for example, you, you kind of run into this issue of, like, especially once the movie is released and these reviews are quote unquote legitimate kind that's, of raises the question funny, of like, that's a funny
1: way to use that word,
0: <laughs> but you get what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, like, I know what you mean. They, they can now justifiably say I saw the movie. And so now you can't say that my complaints are illegitimate because you know, the movie's out. So you have no way to prove even if I watched the movie or not, it kind of get it gets to a certain spot that like, even if people are giving reviews in bad faith, you still can't remove those there's no way to filter those out because then people will accuse you of you know censor is the buzzword of today but (laughs) uh to censor their views and so it it becomes like this i I guess like you know for the potential consumer who is looking to see this show or play this game or watch this movie it it becomes like a tightrope of having to determine if people are reviewing something in bad faith. You can also look at things from, like, the complete other perspective, where and this is kind of a segue into, like, a reversal of this topic, if that's cool, mm-hmm. Chris? Yeah, go for it. Um, okay. So, you can you can kind of look at things the other way around, where, like, you know, a fandom can be super, like, very into a game and just love it. And, you know, a game reviewer or uh, games game reviewers in general look at this game and say, I don't get it. Uh, one of the most infamous examples in not recent memory, but in my memory is uh, there's a review for this game called God Hand for the PS2.
1: God, God Hand's so cool.
0: Very janky, very eyebrow raising, but like what it, it's target audience is for people who love action games and people who love um, kind of tinkering with combos and stuff like that, like very combat oriented. Uh, the person who played it there are so many, I guess, modern ways to do an action game that, like, it felt antiquated to him because he didn't really understand what the games, what the game was going for. Mm-hmm. And so he gave it a really bad review. He gave it, like, a 3 out of 10. Now it is remembered by many as one of the best action games on the PS2. So th- this is an example of a game that isn't reviewed in bad faith, but, like, the person reviewing it just didn't get it. And so... That's kind of its own question of like who is allowed to review games, and obviously I'm gonna cut that off right now with everyone is reviewed to is allowed to review games because yeah. you know everyone consumes media, everyone has their own opinions and feelings about media um someone might not get it, but they can be swayed, but you know. Their, their job isn't to write objectively. Their job is to try to write objectively or to... I, I wouldn't even say that. Their job is to kind of... is to write based on their own impressions. Yeah, um, their job and, is
1: to, to give their impression and why. Yeah, Like, a good review, no matter what the media it's of, all you can do as a good reviewer is to say what your opinion of the piece was and then back that up with what it did well and what it did not well and what your experience was that led you to that opinion.
0: Yeah. Do I think this was a good review? I can't really say, because, I mean, I've never played God Hand. But, like, I do think... I think it is someone's earnest thoughts. And, you know, the problem is, they didn't understand the game. I still think that is better than I actively dislike the concept of this thing. And I will not... I'm sorry, like, I feel like what i'm trying to say and what i am saying is like two different things no i but I get what
1: you're coming from like you're you're yeah. basically saying like any review that is made after a genuine and honest attempt at consuming the media can be legitimate mm-hmm. like as long as as long as i didn't go to see hamilton in the mindset of time to trash this garbage yeah a review i write of hamilton laying out like My experiences with it, even if I didn't like it as much as everyone else does, is still a legitimate review. It is one that can be disagreed with, because all opinions can be disagreed with, but it is still a legitimate review. The difference would be if that guy had picked up God Hand and been like, look at
0: this poop, and then played it and was like, Yup, it's poop, here's why. Like... (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, for because I haven't read this review in quite some time, he might've approached the game with that mindset. It's impossible for me to tell. Yeah. But I, I think what's important is that I'm, I'm going to take this person at face value because God hand for everything amazing about it that I've heard, it is a very janky game. Um, it's a very <laughs> janky game. It's not the prettiest game and it controls differently from what you would expect. Um, it's got like the weird resident evil four tank controls Um, in like the year of our Lord, 2007, um, (laughs) which like, you know, I love Resident Evil four, so I probably won't mind that so much, but like, I can't expect everyone to be cool with that.
1: Yeah. And tent controls in like a faster paced action game where it's going to take a little bit of, a little bit of learning on that one.
0: Yeah. I I think what a review is trying to do, like Chris was saying earlier is like, what is the average consumer going to think about this? And you know what? To, In all fairness, I think if, like, the average consumer picked up God Hand and put it in, they would have no clue what the hell's going on. Yeah. <laughs> um, Hardcore action
1: game fans. Yeah. Different story.
0: Yeah. I, I, I guess, like, that is part of a bigger question of, like, not who should write reviews, but more so, like, how to kind of bring people to an understanding on what... Different tastes are.
1: Yeah, and again, I think that for me is where I I want more of a more of a divide between reviews and critique. Mm. A review that that article as a review of God Hand is probably perfectly reasonable. In that, like you said, it's speaking to like, hey, you on the street who maybe has never played an action game before this game probably not the one to start with. If there had been a companion piece written by someone who was really into action games, breaking down, like, here's what this game does in this format, here's what it does differently, here's how it is unique, and, like, doing more of a deep dive for people who are invested, that would have been a really cool, like, companion piece. And that's the kind of, like, games journalism that I would love to see more of, is looking at looking at gaming and looking at games in more the way that like literary critics look at pieces of literature and not being afraid to like do deep dives in and like talk about mechanics and talk about narrative and talk about the way that the games are like put together and the impact that has on the players and the way that they're played can we also i want to take a brief <laughs> i want to take a brief tangent can we talk about of how, how can we talk about how fucked the numerical system for games rating is oh uh. So, this is not a hot take. This is, this take was hot in 2004, maybe. Yeah. Um, but it hasn't gotten better in the well. last 15 years. So, not everyone does this, but a lot of games reviewers, uh, I know Game Informer works on this. I think GameSpot does. I think IGN does. Yeah. Um, a lot of games reviewers rate on a scale of 1 to 10. Yep. With 10 being, like, Game of the Year, Flawless, I love it. Uh, Breath of the Wild was perfect, but it's a terrible Zelda game. Yep, true. and one being,
0: <laughs> I love that we'll never let go of that.
1: It's it's the best thing that we've ever come up with. <laughs> um, and one being, how dare you sell me this garbage? This is a piece of burnt toast in a games box that you sold me for sixty dollars.
0: Alternatively, this isn't even a game. You just put a bunch of models in environments, and I'm constantly and like, flipping through everything. I can kind
1: of move around, yeah. Um. <laughs> But the way that has solidified as to how these are reviewed, and I'm, I don't like, I've never worked for a games publication. I don't know how they actually like train their reviewers. I don't know anything about the inside baseball on this. Right. But as a reader, it seems like I'll be reading a review and they'll be like, this was really bad. This hurt to play. I didn't like it at all. No, I would in no way recommend that you, as a player, as an enjoyer of media, buy this game. Six out of ten. <laughs> and I'm like, where is the logic here? Yeah. Why um, do you have 10 points if every game falls above 5?
0: There, there, There is a problem where every game, basically, it's like, if it's a 10, it's a masterpiece. Go out and buy this game. Side note, there are plenty of games that are 10s that I just did not get into at all. Oh, same.
1: There are, like, I don't know that I've ever seen someone review a game as a 10 and I've tried it and been like, this was bad. There are plenty of games I've seen reviewed as a 10 and I've tried it and been like,
0: eh. Like, this is mush. It's cool, it's cool. It's not for me. This is the Oscar beta video games. <laughs> 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 oh, oh, very good. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Like, 10 might also be, like, a perfect game. But, yeah, like, like, you know, it, it varies from... I, so, there was actually an article uh, very recently about, like, kind of looking at the track record of Bioshock Infinite's reception. And... I'm not going to make an opinion here, uh, because I haven't played Bioshock Infinite, but, like, you know, at first it was, like, 10, 10, 10, Masterpiece, everyone play it. And then, like, in the years that followed as hype died down, people really started to pick apart holes and, like, kind of give, like, more and more, like, eh.
1: Yeah. My personal uh, take, uh, that, and I'll keep like this recent... very brief, mm. Bioshock Infinite is a very cool game. Bioshock Infinite should not be a Bioshock game.
0: Mm.
1: It should be... Like, it's a very cool game. I would have a lot fewer issues with it if it was its own IP and wasn't trying to, like, shoehorn itself into the Bioshock universe. But right, I don't want to go enough. on a deep tangent there because we haven't explained any of what we're fucking talking about.
0: <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, so then you got nines, which are generally regarded as pretty good games. You should totally check them out. Yeah. like a
1: nine, a nine is like, this is very good. It's not the best thing I've played this week yeah. is generally how that sense tends to, like, like there is
0: absolutely nothing wrong with this game. You would probably like it, but it's not for everyone. Eight is more like, a, you know, pretty good game, but definitely not for everyone. Like it's got some flaws here and there, and you may or may though they may or may not be deal breakers for you. Seven are decent but largely forgettable experiences, apparently. But some of my favorite games are eights and sevens. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing: seven is either has some good ideas but
1: falls flat and is kind of forgettable, or mm-hmm very cool ideas, has a, has too many, like, issues to, like, be better than mediocre, but, like, sevens are honestly where a lot of my favorite games come in. Like, that seven, it's either gonna be, like, just mediocre, or, like, super cool if you're into the niche that it's trying to fill and can get past a little bit of jank.
0: Yeah, and then six is basically, and, you know, in my own personal review, it, like, if I had to give any game I played a six, it would be, like you know everything is functional just nothing is fun yeah like and it then, is a game that works but nothing is fun but i think like six has come to mean this game is awful it's terrible it's the worst thing ever and then yeah, everything and below that is just like i am angry and angrier and angrier yeah the
1: way that the way that <laughs> game reviews are written i don't know why there are numbers below 5 yeah game reviews tend to take the like 1 to 10 and treat it like school grades yeah. where a 70 is a c <laughs> and i like there's something so wrong with that because it's so misleading like if i look at something and it's a scale of like one to ten i would assume five would be like this is fine maybe you'll like it if you're into it you probably won't if you're not
0: you have a 50 50 chance of liking this
1: game but the way that reviews are written five is like this game killed my child in the night (laughs) (laughs) i miss you timothy
0: like I'm trying to think of like the last I don't play a lot of games that get sixes obviously but like
1: let's uh let's have a game let's play let's play okay. a bit on are this we, are we
0: going on IGN or I I, uh, I opened any... up
1: game I opened up GameSpot uh okay. which is not the peak of games journalism but they're not bad I spent a lot of right, time right. on GameSpot when I was a kid I'm going to read you I'm going to read you the first paragraph of the I, of the GameSpot review for Anthem Dylan. And you are going to tell me what you think its numerical score out of ten is. Okay. Launching upward off a jungle floor and bursting through a thick canopy of trees, bobbing and weaving your way under a waterfall as you take in the lush landscape below you, is one of the highlights of Anthem. Flight, in these moments, is freeing, serene, and exhilarating all at once. But you will eventually have to come back down to Earth. When you don't have a means to cool in the air, you have to interrupt your flight to cool off on the ground, or else your suit will overheat and send you careening downwards much more violently. This is what Anthem is like as a whole—a game where promising moments are bookended by frustration, where good ideas are undone before they can be fully realized. What do you think the numerical score that IG that GameStop, GameSpot gave Anthem is?
0: My score, or okay, so GameStop based on story.
1: that, based on that intro paragraph.
0: Honestly, to me, that sounds like a six, but they probably ding ding ding. You got
1: a six, oh. Dylan nailed okay. it. Dylan's good at this. Cool, but
0: like to me, that review,
1: like. If I were to read that, and I was assuming, like, if we were going on, like, a five-star system,
0: mm-hmm. that
1: to me would sound like a two- or three-star review, mm-hmm. which, out of ten, I would put at like, four, three, four, four, yeah. maybe five. Uh, Let me find another one really quick, because I'm oh, actually, I, 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 I enjoy it. this as a game. If you want to pick, if you want to pull one out, if you want to find something yeah. as well, let me find it, let me find a stinker. All right, here is the, uh, the first paragraph of... The GameSpot review for Darksiders 3, a recent sort of character action-y game that came out that, as you might be able to tell, is the third game in the Darksiders series. Alright, so Dylan, I'm going to read you the okay. first paragraph one more time. All right. Darksiders 3 has an identity crisis. On the one hand, the stylish, effect-laden combos at your disposal point to a game with, a com- with combat encounters reminiscent of Devil May Cry's kinetic action. Yet, your fragility and the tough challenge enemies present actively discourage you from approaching combat on the front foot, instead favoring a more methodical approach with an emphasis on tact and evasion. The Darksiders series has always worn its inspirations on its sleeve, but at least there was a sense of focus and consistent design omnipresent in all of its moving parts. Those first two games may have been derivative, but they took concepts and built on them in fun and engaging ways that elevated their strong points. Darksiders 3 is the antithesis of this approach, feeling muddled and unfocused with an uneven design that trickles down and negatively affects each of its disparate systems. Based on that paragraph, what do you think the game review that sounds, score
0: That sounds is? like another six to me.
1: Nope, that one's a four. Oh, wow. Okay. And therein you see the problem. That to me, also, that, that paragraph felt very similar to the one they wrote for Anthem.
0: Yeah. (laughs) It was the same thing. They were like,
1: here are some cool ideas. Here's why they don't work. And again, like, obviously I'm only reading the first paragraph. Maybe the...
0: Do they list, like, the positives and negatives at the end? uh, Because some reviews do that.
1: Uh, not on IG... Oh, yeah, they do. Uh, the good one-on-one combat encounters in open areas offer engaging challenges. Inventive character designs stand out. The bad... Battles are fought against a frustrating camera and lock-on system, just as much as any enemies. The generic and drab environments aren't enticing to explore. Progression is simplistic and devolves combat into pr- repetition. Platforming and puzzles are dull and few and far between, and numeric- num- numerous technical issues. That is much clearer and sounds more like a four. The written paragraph, not so much. <laughs> All right, can I read you one? Okay, yeah. This is uh, this is no longer from Gamespot. This is now from I- or this is now from IGN. Okay. Uh, it is a review for a game called Underworld ascendant, which I know literally nothing about
0: I have never heard of this game
1: this, uh, it this review came out on November 29th of 2018. Okay this is the first time I've heard of this game and I'm gonna read you actually three paragraphs here because they're short and they need to be read in concert.
0: okay
1: I find I'm gonna I'm gonna do this in the style of like it 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 lends itself to like noir narration the way that it's mm. written. Okay. I'd finally done it. After several hours of navigating bugs and glitches, surviving enemies whose AI seemed to ping-pong between omniscient and ludicrously stupid, and maze-like level design, I had reached the end of an area of Underworld Ascendant that had given me considerable trouble. I actually paused, allowed myself to feel that relief and euphoria one gets when when they never have to look at something terrible again. The portal to the exit was before me. I stepped forward and fell through the floor as the geometry of the Stygian Abyss decided arbitrarily to render itself ethereal. The Ascendant, Underworld's protagonist, plummeted into some sort of netherscape that forced a reset to escape, and, thanks to Underworld Ascendant's ludicrous save system, all progress in the level in question was lost. An entire night spent meticulously poking around, exploring, fighting, and sneaking was rendered moot by something beyond my control. Now repeat that exp- that countless times and this about summarizes the underworld ascendant experience.
0: Oh boy um... what
1: out of 10 do you think IGN gave underworld ascendant based on
0: that? okay let me let me try to remember all the the bits. So very meticulous gameplay painstaking steps were taken and something happened and all the progress got removed.
1: Yeah, uh, to aid you, I'm actually gonna, they, IGN does a thing at the end of their reviews where they're like, the verdict, let me give you the verdict paragraph for Underworld Ascendant. (laughs) Underworld Ascendant is just broken. (laughs) (laughs) What little role-playing game fun there might have been is taken off the table by technical failings, a save system that feels like cruel and unusual punishment, and a bland story that takes place in similarly repetitive environments. Not one of the core systems for interacting with the world, be it combat, magic, or stealth, impresses on its own, and that's when they even work right. Our beleaguered Ascendant is thus sent, over and over again, into buggy dungeons to complete fetch quests and assassination missions to the best of their unimpressive abilities. Oh, man. Underworld Ascendant is a swing and a miss so powerful that it knocks itself off balance and the seeds of interesting ideas fail to be realized at nearly every juncture. What out of ten do you think that game received by from IGN?
0: That sounds like a two or a three.
1: It was a three. Okay. I don't know why ones and twos exist if that review renders a three. <laughs> <laughs> you see my problem with this fucking rating system.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, you said okay, you had so one? I have one, but I'm not gonna... I'm go- I'm not going to say the title of it because I feel like that might sway your guess. Okay, hit me. So I'm going to talk around some details. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, just to keep you guessing.
1: Yeah, that's fine.
0: Um, all right. Blank is a game about consequence where you have only the illusion of choice. Yes, there are some decisions to be made, and those decisions will shape your character and the world around you. But some of the most disastrous choices were made before the game even begins. Or, sorry, they were made for you before the game even begins, leaving you to deal with the Fallout. And because it's a prequel to Blank, you also probably know how the story ends. All that's left is discovering what happens in between and making the most of it. To that end, you have to fight against the repetitive nature of missions, frequent moral dilemmas, and the inconvenience of doing what's right. For the most part, the frustration that tension can cause is also what makes the story impactful. And when it comes all, when it all comes together, your effort is not wasted. Following that right. up
1: with, see if this was like blah blah blah. If this was like a a sane rating system, like that mm-hmm. to me sounds like a three out of five stars.
0: Yeah. Um, Given so the let's...
1: backwards world we're living in, <laughs> I'm gonna guess that gets like a six or a seven.
0: Uh, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna read the last sentence yep, as well. Fair. Some frustrating systems and a predictable mission structure end up serving that story well, though it does take patience to get through them and understand why. Blank is an excellent p- prequel, but it's also an emotional. Yeah, blah 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 blah. Um, okay, so okay, to see end- that sounds better. Exactly, exactly. Um,
1: see that would make me think seven or eight. No, okay. probably
0: seven. Sa- I'm gonna I'm gonna solidify on seven. Okay, well here's the deal: the game is Red Dead Redemption Two, <laughs> <laughs> and the score is a nine. <laughs>
1: You're lying to me.
0: Nope. it's How Oscar did... bait, dude. What the fuck? <laughs> like this was fucking multiple Game of the War Game of the Year Award winner. <laughs>
1: yeah, and I've heard like the cr- the complaints I have heard from people who have played Red Dead Redemption 2, which I will admit I have not, have all been, like, fairly surface level and fairly, like, it's a great game, here are some things that don't work quite so well, but they weren't enough to, like, be deal breakers. That's not what that review sounded like.
0: That's kind of what the review is saying, but, like, at the same time, just looking at the opening paragraph and the closing paragraph, it's kind of like, there are things about this game that are, like, flawed in design, but, like, it does enough right that it's worth a nine. Um, That's and like, so I'm weird. Not, I'm not saying this to trash Red Dead Redemption Two, but I, I do think it's it kind of opens an interesting light to this is a game by a high like by a high profile developer. It's a game by
1: Rockstar. Rockstar um, is like
0: they redefined very, video games for the last like decade. They
1: very rarely struck out on anything they've done for like yeah, yeah like a decade and a half at this point.
0: And like yeah, Red Dead for Redemption good Two, from what I understand, is a good game. Um, I haven't played it. I've been meaning to, but I don't think I'll play it anytime soon. And like, I'm not saying I'm not, I I didn't pick this review to trash on the game or the reviewer, but I I do think it's this interesting thing where there is this pressure to give this game a good rating where like, you kind of say your issues, but then you quickly brush them under the rug because you don't don't... want the fallout that like will come from giving this game everyone's excited for from a studio with a huge pedigree game of the year material, uh, as many would say. Yeah. You don't wanna you don't wanna give that game a, a bad score. Like, you know, this sounded like an 8.5 to me. And like maybe that comes with the bias of knowing that it's Red Dead Redemption and knowing that like Rockstar makes good games and yeah the writing for Red Dead Redemption is usually pretty solid. And from what I see in this review, like the story is good. The story is pretty good. But you know, when you when you look at like the review in isolation, like without the name Red Dead attached to it. If I was reading the review as is, like, you would just kind of be like, all right, this sounds like a solid game, maybe not perfect, but, like, pretty good. Um, and, like, you know, looking at the bottom, there is a lot of good to this game, uh, says the uh, the sum up at the end. The good. The story has incredible weight as a prequel, with the anticipation that comes from knowing how it all ends. Side note, I've seen just as many reviewers trash other games for knowing how it all ends. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but whatever. That's fine. Uh, New characters are among the best and help make the story enjoyable on its own. A varied and reactive world filled with chance encounters and surprises to discover compels you to explore. Well written missions and side activities both draw you into both the game's systems and its narrative. Mission structure and morality mechanics create tension that increases the story's impact. So all those are good things that the reviewer uh, Mm -hmm. listed, and, you know, I, because I haven't read the whole review or have played Red Dead Redemption 2, I am inclined to agree with them. That all sounds perfect on paper. Yeah, Uh, And that sounds like
1: my experiences in, like, Red Dead Redemption 1.
0: Yeah. Uh, The only bad point, because there's only one, it's elements of semi-realism take you out of the experience rather than draw you into it. So... You know, looking at it like that, that's fine. See, but those uh,
1: bullet points don't seem to have any correlation to what you read me from the introduction and conclusion.
0: Yeah, and that's you know, wild. Wow. I'm trying to. I'm like, I'm. I'm not trying to trash this review. Right no, of course like, not.
1: Like, I have no idea who like, this person is.
0: Exactly. But yeah, no, it's it's a very solid review. But like, I also just kind of, I guess, like, my eyebrow was kind of raised when I was looking at this because, like, looking at the opening and ending paragraph that are, you know the most important part of (laughs) reviews you know it just it wasn't really sold to me as a nine out of ten
1: nope not even a little bit (laughs) (laughs) i was figuring solidly middle of the road yeah um
0: like i i do think that she goes through great pains to say like despite this stuff i still think this is a really good really good game that you should definitely play um i did i did kind of jump around in the last uh I'll read the final paragraph in full. Um, while Red Dead Redemption was mostly focused on John Marston's story, Red Dead 2 is about the entire Vandalin gang as a community, as an idea, and as the death, ri- uh, as the death rattle of the Wild West. It is about Arthur 2, but as the lens through which you view the gang. His very personal, very messy story supports a larger tale. And then I, the rest of it I've already said. Some frustrating systems, predictable mission structure... Um, and it takes patience to get through them, but it's still an ex, it's still an excellent prequel and an emotional thought provoking story in its own right. And it's a world that's hard to leave when it's done. So from what I'm hearing, like, it's, it's kind of like the biggest thing this game does well is the story and the writing. And you can argue whether or not that should be like the highest, like most critical point of praise that a game gets. But yeah, no, I, I, I guess like, I, I just found that interesting.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's really wild. Um, (laughs) Well, I enjoyed that bit. We should do more things like that in the future.
0: (laughs) Yeah, spice Um, it up a bit.
1: Yeah, and I think that that is as good a place as any to end. Before we do, I do want to throw out one quick just thing out there. For those of you who write reviews, whether you're doing it for a game that you like or a game that you don't, remember that there are people on the other side that you are writing about, whether it is a game or a film or a book or whatever. Like, there are human beings who put a lot of time and effort and love into whatever piece of media that you're consuming as sometimes a hundred hours a week yeah don't 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 do that (laughs) don't do that to your people don't be that kind of monster but speaking as someone who like has gotten to read both positive and negative reviews of things that he has been a part of like i don't care if you didn't like a thing that i'm in i kind of care if you're just a jerk (laughs) so like i'm not gonna tell you to like write nice reviews about things you don't like but just remember that you're talking about things that people make and to take a little bit of kindness in your heart with that in mind
0: i don't want to say that people should always take precedent above the product but like be understanding
1: yeah be understanding (laughs) and
0: don't attack people if if you didn't really yeah if you're
1: really angry about the current state of overwatch don't harass a voice actress who has nothing to do with it Mm -hmm. if if we can make if we have a if we have a moral for this episode it's don't harass actors. Uh, <laughs> and with that it's probably time to sign off. Thank you so much yeah. for listening to another episode of Backstage Gaming. We've really enjoyed having you here. Uh, as always, please feel free to check us out at our website. We are at bsgpod.com. There you can find our episodes, you can find bios, you can find links to contact us. Uh, And you should listen to our show whether you get it there or whether you get it on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or the Google Play Store. Dylan, hit us with those social media links.
0: So you can find us on Facebook, Twitter. Uh, Our handle is at BSG underscore cast. We're on YouTube. Um, And if you like what we are doing, you can talk about us with the hashtag BSGpod. As for the art that we use for our header image, um, that is provided to us by our friend Brennan French. You can find him on Squarespace at brennanfrench.squarespace.com. That is b-r-e-n-n-e-n-hyphen-french.squarespace.com. You can also check out Brennan's Instagram at brennanfrencharts. So, again, that is b-r-e-n-n-e-n. French arts, like it's all one word, F-R-E-N-C-H-A-R-T-S.
1: You should also go check out our good friend BioQuery. He is on Spotify and on SoundCloud and on Bandcamp, and he makes very cool songs, including our theme song, Dot Sound Radio Volume 1, Instrumentality. Uh, He recently put an EP called post human angst that is really good and is available on your media streaming service of choice and there's a bunch of other stuff that he's been doing like production beats for recently that are all really cool uh you should go check him out and okay. you know maybe i don't know if he's charging for his album on bandcamp but like if he is check that out Uh, I know that his SoundCloud is soundcloud.com slash bioquery, that's B-I-O-Q-U-E-R-Y, he's on Bandcamp at bandcamp.com slash bioquery, B-I-O-Q-U-E-R-Y, and like I said, music streaming services of choice. Um, Uh, Speaking
0: of instrumentality, I'm sorry, but like Skype made you go all robot voice for a (laughs) solid Thirty seconds.
1: Amazing. I love this garbage program. It is my trash son. Um, uh. <laughs> like I said at the beginning of the episode, please, 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 if you're in the Chicago area or will be the weekend of March sixteenth, head over to bit.ly slash CPU ticks. That's bits.ly slash capital C, capital P, capital U, capital T I X. Uh, and get tickets for the Chicago Podcasters Unite Live event at Beat Kitchen. It'll be super fun. We hope to see you there. Uh, Can't wait to be sh- there. Yeah, you should also check out the current arc of Unexplored Places, an actual play podcast by our friend Christine that Dylan is appearing in. You should also check out Unwell, a midwestern gothic podcast, a midwestern gothic mystery, a current, a new audio drama podcast produced by another alum of our school that I appear in the final episode of. And I think that is all the things I have to plug. So, thank you so much for and listening we love to this you. week's episode of Backstage Gaming. We love you so much, so much. Hugs and kisses. I just, I just want to smooch you. Smoochums. Yeah. Smoochums. Yeah. All over. Good, right. Good night. Kn- good night. Kn- <laughs>